bet there was something in that slideshow that you literally forgot happened um, throughout the years. Like I, when I sent it to Campbell this week, he said, I literally forgot that we met at the community center a few times before we were able to get back in the school. Um, so many different things, mobile food pantries, egg hunts like the one we're going to have today, brunches, retreats, and everything in between. And I don't know about you, but I'm so, so thankful for this church. When we started meeting here five years ago, you know, I was just still a recent college graduate, uh, just a single as a Pringle guy out in the world. Um, and here I am five years later, and I'm married to someone that I got to know through my involvement in this church. And we're here with our 10-week-old baby. And it's just crazy the things that happen over time as we keep gathering together and being together. And the, the things that we see in each other, we see each other grow. I see a lot of kids in here that they didn't even exist five years ago. Uh, I see other kids that are twice the age that they were five years ago. And I see a lot of adults that though five years has passed, y'all just keep getting better and better looking. So I don't know how you do it, but let me know. Um, and so I guess what I'm trying to say is this, is five years may not seem like a long time, but in five years, God can do a whole lot of things. Um, as relationships with other people grow and deepen, um, our relationship with God does the same. When I think of um, the last five years, and I can't help but think of that year 2020, that you're smacked right in the middle of our five years together as New Garden. And God completely changed my perspective in that year because I think I had begun to take gathering with God's people for granted. And I, I don't do that anymore. I'm so thankful for this place. I'm so thankful that we have a group of people that we get to see and be with every week. We get to see them grow. They help us grow. Uh, and God works in us. And I'm thankful that we have a place to be. I'll pray for us, and then we'll continue. Let's pray. God, we come before you this morning, and we're thankful that uh, we have a place to be, and we have a group of people that we get to be with every single week. God, and we know that though it may seem mundane and simple at times, God, you work in our small actions of gathering. Um, God, help us to be filled with gratitude for what you've done amongst us and what you will do amongst us. God, send your spirit into this place and just help me to get out of the way that we might hear a message from you today. Fill us with goodness and love so that we can go out from here and into our communities and continue to reflect you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. One thing about reflecting on our lives is like we get to see God's faithfulness play out over time, far more than we could ever understand in the moment. Um, you know, in the moment, we can get caught up in our excitement, our frustration, our fear, our relief, these types of feelings that are both legitimate feelings to feel, and they're also temporary. Because when we look back over time, we can see that though we endured things, we went through hard things, we are better than we were before, um, or at least that's how I feel a lot of times. Sometimes I think we're just thankful to God that we got through that thing that we got through. Um, but God's faithfulness is far easier seen over time than in the moment, and I think a lot of people that we read about in the Bible would agree. Um, we could look around at any point in human history 
and find ourselves frustrated with a situation. We could look around the world and say, that is bad, that is evil, that is wicked. But when we zoom out, we can see that God has worked in our world and it is a much more kingdom place than it was before. God has been in the business of redeeming creation since Adam and Eve left the garden. Um, As we begin to look through history through the lens of Scripture, we see God moving through his people in the midst of world empires like Egypt and Rome. And God still works in us today in the midst of all the other things going on in the world. In Genesis 11, uh, we see God call this guy named Abram to pick up everything that he knows and move. Take his whole family, everything. And God has made Abram a promise that Abram will become a great nation. So Abram trusts God. In faith, Abram takes everything that he has and he moves to an unknown land because God told him to. Because he trusted that God would be faithful to God's promise to him. And so we see Abram go, but the years pass. Abram and his wife Sarai are still childless and they're getting older. And what do they do? Do they say, does does Abram say, God, I trust you. You've got this. I'm not going to do anything rash. I'm not going to try to shortcut your plan for me. No. Abram and Sarai, um, they conspire and they have a baby uh, through their servant girl named Hagar. And we know now that God didn't really fulfill his promise to Abram through Ishmael, their son, with Hagar. No. God did fulfill his promise to Abram, though, through a guy named Isaac. You might have heard of him. He goes here. No, um, the guy from the Bible, Isaac. And Isaac, he has a son named Jacob, and Jacob, he becomes Israel. And so God did make Abram into this great nation. Um, Not this great nation, right? But I guess, yeah, we're kind of Father Abraham, right? So um, God is faithful to Abram, but Abram gets caught up in the moment. He gets frustrated. He acts rash. He tries to short-circuit God's plan. And I think, well, I'll, I'll speak for myself once again, because for me, sometimes when I feel like God has wanted me to do something, and I do it, and then I get into that thing, and I'm like, when? Why? Where? I forget to trust that God is faithful over time, that my experiences in the moment are real, and it's okay to be frustrated and lament, but amongst all of that, we can trust that God will be faithful to us. And so we know Abraham has Isaac, who has Jacob, who becomes Israel, and he has Joseph. He has 12 sons, which many of the people in here know all 12. Um, And he has Joseph as a son, and Joseph gets taken off to Egypt, and he's a slave in Egypt. And all of the Israelites end up in Egypt, right? And eventually Moses comes, comes up, and that's, that's a whole story. And they leave Egypt, and they wander in the wilderness for 40 years because they didn't trust God. And then they get to go into the promised land, and they're ruled by the judges. And guess what? Then they get frustrated again, and they say, God, we need a king. Everybody else has a king, and it's cool, and we want one too. And so God obliges, gives them a king, King Saul. And King Saul is an okay king at first, but then he starts to 
go the wrong way. And so there's this prophet named Samuel. And Samuel is a prophet, and God tells Samuel, I want you to go, and I want you to anoint the next king of Israel. And Samuel says, okay. So they go to this town called Bethlehem, I think. Um, if, if I'm wrong, it's okay, Grace. Um, and they go to this town, and Samuel goes in, and Jesse, the dad, he doesn't even think to call in his son David from the fields. He's like, he's here to anoint the next king. That's not, that's not David. I mean, he's, he's the youngest. He's an okay shepherd, but that's what we use him for. He's a shepherd, right? And so Samuel goes through one son after the other, and God says it's not about the outward appearance. It's about the heart. Samuel says, is this seriously all the sons you got? Because I'm not, I'm not vibing with this. And Jesse says, well, I have one David. He's out in the field. Samuel says, go get him. We're not going to sit down until he gets in here. David comes in. And Samuel anoints him as the next king of Israel. So you guys have seen movies and stuff, Princess Bride. When someone is anointed royalty, king, they get whisked away into this role, this new role. That's what happened, right? No. David is anointed as king, and he goes back out into the shepherd fields. And he's out there for years. And when he does get called into the palace, it's not to be the new king. It's not to be the king in waiting. It's to play the harp and to carry the king's armor. And if I'm David, and I'm thinking, man, God has has given me this great role, and no one even knows. I should just go and, like, you know, work my way into things and work, work things around so that I can be the king sooner. In fact, David had many opportunities as a soldier to end Saul's life, and he didn't do it. David was this mighty warrior. He had had soldiers who were more loyal to him than Saul, and David said, do not kill the Lord's anointed. It'll come. David is an example of trusting God's faithfulness, even when it seems like it's taking forever, when it's taking decades. God has given us this role, and it's taking forever. But David, he can look back at the end of his life, and he can say, God was faithful to what God said he would do for me. He can rest in that understanding that those feelings of he might have been frustrated that things weren't happening sooner. He might have been upset. He might have tried to take matters into his own hands. But instead, David trusted God. David trusted God in his faithfulness. And he waited. And so Abram, David, they trust God. And they look back on their life at the end, and they can say, God was faithful to me. Um, So we're talking about faith here. And the author of the book of Hebrews states faith well. He says this, now, this is a slide, now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Abraham is making a decision in the moment based on something that he cannot see or understand, but he is trusting that what God has said is true. And so in chapter 11 of Hebrews, the author goes through and he talks about all these different characters from the Bible, these people that lived on earth in the Bible, and they trusted God, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and more. These people all took steps of faith without all the answers. And God works through situations for the good of creation, for humanity, 
even situations that God never intended for creation or for us. Things like cruelties, war, violence, real-world realities that we have to live with in a fallen world. God works. He doesn't cause these things. He works through them for our good, and we can trust that. And the author of Hebrews, in chapter 12, he follows it up well by saying this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all those people that we've, we've read about, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That's another slide. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Next, scorning its shame. Next slide. Scorning its shame, it sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus knows what it's like to feel like you've been given this amazing role and responsibility and call, and for it to be sometimes frustrating and hurtful, and feel like things are taking forever, or things are happening way too fast, or being scared of what's next. As Jesus is in the garden with Good Friday coming up this week, this is something that we can think about this week. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Before he's arrested, he's praying to God, and he is so anxiety-ridden that he is literally sweating drops of blood, asking God, please, let it be your will that I don't have to do this, but I will do what you've asked me to do. Jesus knows what it feels like to trust in God's faithfulness way more than we do. Way more than those little things that God asks us to do without seeing. Jesus knows what that's like. And so we can look to people from Scripture like Abraham, David, Jesus, these people who trusted what God had in store for them even when they couldn't see it because that's called faith. That's what we do here, right? We share our faith together. And so this morning, we can think about these last five years. Think of all the good that happened at this group of people. Things that in the moment seemed small or insignificant or frustrating. God has done a lot of good. And we can trust that God will continue that. Even though we can't see it, we don't always know what it will look like, we can be hopeful that God keeps his promises to us. I'll pray for us, and then Molly and Katie will continue to lead us in worship. Let's pray. Father, thank you for working in our midst. Whether we see it or not, help us to trust that you are. Thank you for creating a group of people that we can join with each week. Remind each other of this truth that you are faithful. God, that you keep your promises. Thank you specifically for this church. 
this imperfect group of people that you have grouped together at this time and place and called to do your will. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that we can do what you are asking us to do with our lives. God, loving our neighbors, loving this community. God, help us to have faith that the things that we do are not in vain. God, but that you are working in the small things, the simple things, the things that sometimes seem mundane. God, you fill us up to do those things for your glory so that at the end of our lives, we can look back and think, God worked in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yes, ma'am.